appreciate as you can tell I'm not Pastor Kevin <laughs> I'm Matt Brown <laughs> no but for real though thank you all for coming first and foremost God has something for you thank you all for joining us on the live stream uh, just when you get a chance hit a share uh, so we can spread this message of hope to all God be glorified. It is such a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit kind of tugged at me a little bit. So before I get into this message, I want to just tell you a little bit about me for those who don't know who I am. Uh, so once again, name's Matt Brown. That's the name you'll hear a lot, uh, especially if your kids are in God Squad. So I run God Squad. That's the 6th through 12th graders. So if they've ever had the pleasure or for some of them, the displeasure of being in my class, you'll know, Mr. Matt, that's me. I'm Mr. Matt. So yes, thank you. Um, but yes, uh, so I run the, the, the 6th through 12th graders. I lead that group. Uh, and it's been an honor and a privilege to do so at this church. I've been at this church about three years, just a little more than three years. Uh, it's been a blessing. Um, I grew up in a house of faith, right? I was raised by parents who loved the Lord and ingrained scripture in me from as soon as I got out the womb, right? So I'm a word guy, so if I'm word heavy, deal with it. Because that's how I was raised and that's what you're gonna get today, okay? But, but for real, the, the Holy Spirit kind of put something on me and it's, it's for my parents who, who came today to, uh, to watch their son stand in the pulpit for the very first time. So this is my first time, guys. So I just, I just want to take the time. I just want to honor them. I thank you for coming. Um, the reason why I stand up here today is because of what you instilled in me as a kid. The reason why I am and the walk that I have and the love that I have for Jesus is because of what you showed me in our home. You know, and that they, they walked a life of faith and they walked a life of integrity and love for the Lord. And at some point, I had to transition from my parents' God to my God, right? But it's what they instilled and what they showed in me. So I love you, and I thank you for being here. And I stand here today, a son of yours, in the pulpit because of what you did. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. So we're just going to transition into the message now. I just want everybody to yell at me, stand. 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 Okay, good. So we're all awake. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. So we're going we're gonna to touch base on some things uh, the Lord put on me uh, to minister to you guys, and it has to do with standing. So there's areas in our life, in our Christian walk, where we're required to stand. It's important. It's an integral part of the Christian walk, right? So there's three areas specifically. There's standing on the gospel, there's standing in the gap, and there's standing your ground. Very important. So we're going to try to flesh through these three. God willing, <laughs> and we'll get through them. Um, so number one, big one, one of my favorites, stand on the gospel, right? It is, the gospel is the foundation of our entire faith. It's what brings salvation, right? It is what we lean into. It is what we plant our feet on when the wind and the storms come. We stand on the gospel, right? And it's not a fleeting word. It's not some random thing. It's not, will I partner with the gospel? It is the gospel, and it is where you plant your feet. If you're a Christian, you align with the gospel. 
right? And it brings salvation. So Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So it brings power and salvation, right? Very important. If you are a Christian, you stand on the gospel, right? Number two, it is, it is part of the armor, right? It is the shoes, right? Stand, shoes, gospel of peace, right? Ephesians 6.15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So not only is it something you stand on, but you stand in peace. So your foundation is centered around standing in something that should give you peace. So when the storms come, when the waves come, when things would throw you off course, when there's teachings that would spew things at you that would get you to stop believing, right? You lean on and you stand on what you're firmly grounded in, and that is the? Thank you, people. Amen. All right. So a big question, one of the first questions I went into God Squad when I first started was, you know, you're Christians, right? So what is the gospel? Right? I love, I love doing this with Christians. I ask them all the time, what is the gospel? Well, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm like, no, those are the gospels. But what is the gospel? John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave, you know. Okay. Partly, not wholly the gospel, right? The gospel is much bigger. It encompasses so much more. And it is important that we know every aspect of the gospel because it is where you stand your ground. It is your foundation. It needs to be unshakable, right? So it's important, right? So Paul, the apostle Paul, outlines it perfectly in 1 Corinthians 15. It is pretty lengthy, but important, right? So now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So he immediately tells you the gospel is where you stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain, right? So you don't understand the gospel, you don't stand on the gospel, and you don't believe it, you're believing in vain. It means nothing. It's pointless. Your Christian walk is void, right? For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, colon. Now, I tell the kids in class, I said, when we see a colon, what does that mean? It means we're about to get a definition, an explanation, and a meaning. So now he's going to tell us what the gospel is, right? Here we go. I underlined it for you guys, okay? <laughs> that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of, brother, of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the gospel. Right? So to paraphrase, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Are you ready? All right? Christ died for our sins according to scripture, was buried and raised on the third day according to scripture, and was seen by many, right? That is the gospel, right? So when someone says, I, I believe in the gospel, I stand on the gospel, that is the gospel we preach, that is where our feet are planted, that is our foundation, that's that thing, right? The gospel is the culmination of three specific things, three main things, 
say specific, but they are specific, but it's main things. It encompasses three things, right? So we have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Very important as if Jesus didn't come, die, was buried, and raised, our faith is, is pointless. Like, we, we serve a God who's alive, not dead. He's supposed to be in heaven, right? Seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us, right? If we have a God who's in the grave, there's no power. There's no hope, right? We have a faith of hope, right? We trust in our foundation and we lean on it and we stand on it because it is our ground, right? So we stand on the gospel. So death, burial, and resurrection, number one. Number two, the fulfillment of prophecy, right? So the gospel isn't just the death, burial, and resurrection. It is fulfillment of prophecy according to the scriptures. What scriptures? Right? I asked the kids, so what scriptures? They'll be like, well, you know, uh, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, it, it, you know, it, it kind of outlines some of the death and everything. I'm like, that's great. They didn't have that yet. They weren't written. They weren't written at the time. So what scriptures did he fulfill, right? So you have to go to the Old Testament, right? So I, I outlined a few. There's more, but I, I outlined some good ones so you guys can get an idea that your foundation, that your gospel is rooted well, right? And it can be proved historically by confirmed prophetic things that were fulfilled when he died. It's important, right? So we have Genesis 3.15 written over 1,200 years before Christ. Obviously happened a lot longer than, it, it took place a lot longer than that, but it was written over 1,200 years before Christ. Uh, and that, that's the enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. That was with the snake in the garden, Satan in the garden. And it already outlined from the day sin entered the world, the plan was set that Jesus would have to come, die, and be raised and redeem mankind from day one, right? It's important. This is your gospel, right? So you want to know prophetic fulfillment, important. The next one, Isaiah 53, the entire Isaiah 53, right? Written about 700 years before Christ. That's the full encompassing of the death, burial, and resurrection. It covers the rejected, suffered, wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we are healed, assigned a grave with the wicked, light of life after suffering. It covers every part of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? And that was written, like I said, about 700 years before Christ. We have Psalms. David was, was really cool. He would always quote these things in scriptures that, that, that have no bearing on him, but they were prophetic words spoken by Jesus later, right? So Psalm 16, 8 through 11, written about 1,000 years before Christ, where he's like, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor let your faithful one see decay, right? Jesus died, rose again in three days, no decay to his body, right? David died, never rose again, decay hit his body. So he clearly wasn't talking about himself. Once again, prophetic fulfillment of the gospel, right? We're fulfilling things with the gospel. It's very important that you understand that your foundation is solid, right? I want you to understand that when teachings come and they try to throw you off track, you know, stand on your gospel. Know that it can be backed up. Every question the Bible raises, the Bible answers, right? If it says this is your gospel, go find it in the Bible and it, it will show you what it is, right? Hold on to your word. Hold on to scripture, right? Here, here's, a, here's a fun one, right? Jonah. 
Jonah 1.17, which was written about 700 years before Christ. And this is the, the huge fish to swallow Jonah for three days and three nights. And then when Jesus was, was, was talking, they were like, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the, the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah's entire ordeal was a representation of what Jesus was going through, was going to have to endure, Right? Even everything, spending time in this place of the dead where dead things go in the belly of a big fish to being spewed out after three days, right? The grave couldn't hold Jesus either. Come on. The grave had to spit him back out because it had no right to him. Come on. Come on, Christians. The grave had no right to Jesus. Come on. This is your foundation. This is your gospel, right? Hold fast to it. Stand on it. Come on. This is foundation foundational principles we hold fast to these things and we lean on them and we embrace them and number three a big one the witnesses that saw Jesus after the resurrection you can say whatever you want about the death burial and resurrection and the prophetic fulfillment but what you cannot dispute historically is all the people that saw Jesus after he rose from the grave historically documented not just in scripture but in other places as well this is your gospel this is what you hold fast to. This is your foundation. I got one. So we hold fast to the gospel. We lean on the gospel. We embrace the gospel because it is where we plant our feet and it gives us peace. Right? So when the, like I said, the teachings come, the waves come. Oh, but what about this? What about that? Well, nope. Jesus died, rose, and was raised. Scripture was fulfilled. Hey, hey. And they saw him. What do you have? Tell them to line up their gospel. I would love to see another religion line up their gospel as clean and as pure as our gospel. Come on. This is what we stand on. This is our foundation. It's important, right? So we stand in it because it is your foundation. I'm going to keep saying that until it's ingrained in your bread. I want you to get that when you go home. Foundation and standing. Foundation standing. It is the foundation of our faith, right? Very important. Amen. Number two, a fun one, a fun one. I like this one. Standing in the gap, right? Standing in the gap. So standing in the gap is basically intercession. It, it leads intercessory prayer. It's something we're called to do as believers, right? To stand in the gap for our fellow people, our fellow believers, and unbelievers as well. Sometimes we have to do that, right? So to intercede means to intervene between two or more parties for reconciliation or to plead for the needs of someone else. The heart of standing in the gap or the, the means to stand in the gap is intercessory prayer, which is praying on behalf of others. There's depth to it, so we're going to explore that depth because I would love to say it's as simple as you lifting up someone else in prayer, but it's a little bit more deeper than that. So I want to know what, what it means. What you, I want you guys to understand what it means to put yourself in between two opposing things, right? You're going to understand what it means to intercede. Okay, so the heart of intercession, I'm sorry, no, 2 Timothy 2.1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So it's an urging. It's something we are supposed to do, right? We're supposed to look forward to doing it. Didn't say it would be fun necessarily, but urge you to do it. We have to do it. It's something we're called to do. So don't be afraid to do it. The heart of intercession, putting yourself in harm's way. Right? So the idea of interceding is putting yourself in harm's way. 
Well, what does that mean? Okay, let me, let me, before I get into the scripture, let's give layman's terms. Anybody here ever broken up a fight? When you stand, when you try to jump in between two people swinging, you take a chance that you're going to take a hit, right? You interceded on behalf of one of them or just because you're a good person. But it didn't change the fact that you might take a blow to the face, right? This is intercession. When you put yourself in between two opposing people, sometimes it's more than two. Sometimes it's a brawl. It's an all-out brawl. It's five people all swinging at each other, and you're trying to stop it. Now you're putting yourself at more of a risk because now it's five blows coming at you, right? This is heart of intercession. This is what it means, right? So I put in here between the living and the dead. So a, a nice example in Scripture is in Numbers. I don't know if anyone in the Bible ever, anyone in the church ever reads Numbers because they go and it's like he begat this and begat that, and no one wants to read Numbers. But let me tell you something. Numbers is full of so much good meat, Read numbers, people. Come on. Read, read numbers. It, 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 it's great. It's got really good stuff in there, right? So, yeah, man, ground opens up and swallows people whole. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you guys didn't know that happened in numbers, right? So, so in the wilderness, um, Korah had defied Moses. Ground opens up, swallows Korah. Fire comes out from the altar, burns his 250 people following him. Yes, that happens in numbers, right? And so the people see this. The assembly is what they're called, the people uh, uh, in, this, in their camp. They see this, right? And the next day, they decide they want to grumble again. And they want to stand in opposition against Moses and Aaron after seeing the Lord open up the ground and swallow these people. And then fire come out and burn them. They decide they want to grumble again. The next day, they didn't wait a week. They didn't wait two weeks. They didn't wait five days. They did it the next day. Probably not a smart thing. But anyway, so it says, so this is a really good intercession, right? So in Numbers 16, 46, it says, Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer, put incense in it, along with burning coals from the altar. So right before this, they grumble against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord says, Get away from them. I'm going to wipe them out. And instead of pleading with the Lord, they knew what they had to do. And they had to immediately intercede. They had to step in intercession immediately. So then it says, then Moses said, take your censer, put incense in it, along with burning coals from the altar. Hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. So let me, let me try to paint a picture for you, right? So this immediately happens, right? The people are dropping now, right? So immediately the Lord's like, get away from the assembly. It's about to go down, right? Bodies begin to drop. The plague has entered the camp, and the assembly is full of people, and the people on this side, they're dropping like dominoes. So bodies are just dropping, and these people are alive. So Moses tells Aaron, Go get the censers, put the coals in it, make atonement for the people, run back through the assembly and get to the front and show that atonement has been made. Right. So they run. He so he has to do this fast because bodies are dropping. Right. The plague has started. Bodies are coming nonstop. There's, so they have to rush back. He rushes, makes the rushes back through the assembly and stands between 
the living and the dead. The living behind, the dead in front, and the plague stopped. This is the power you have as a Christian. You put yourself, come on, amen, amen, come on. You want to know what it means to intercede? Put yourself between the living and the dead, the living behind and the dead in front. And you tell them, no, you may not pass. You may not have my children. You may not have my wife. You may not have my finance. This is what you have to do. Fear has no place here. Disease has no, whatever it is, you stand in intercession. But understand what you're doing. You're taking that weight, right? You're taking that blow, right? People are like, man, I start praying and I feel, oh, I don't like how I feel. Good. You're not supposed to like how you feel. This is intercession. Intercede and you pray through. Pray through. You pray till it stops. This is what the heart of intercession is, right? You don't stop until it stops, right? He, stopped. he didn't stop interceding until the plague stops. So you stop when it stops. That's intercession. You keep going until what you're standing against stops. You intercede on behalf of the people. You stand between the living and the dead. Put the living behind, dead in front. This is what we do. Carry that weight. It's the weight on the back and the weight in the front. But this is what Christians are designed to do. But guess what? You can. You have the capability to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been given the mandate. I urge you to intercede. Urge. I didn't say do it if you feel strong enough. Do it if you've prayed enough. Do it if you... No. I urge you to do it. Because we need it. The brothers and sisters need it. You help them stand. That is who we are. Right? We stand with each other. Amen. You guys are awesome today. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't have asked for a better audience. That's a fantastic. All right. So in the heart of intercession, right, some will say, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't have the words to pray. Glad you said that. But so we have interceding in the spirit, which is in tongues, right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. First Corinthians 12, it's an inheritance. It's something we get as a believer. All can speak in tongues. All can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let me, let me tell you something. It changes everything in all realms of prayer when you use it. It activates power like you've never seen ever. Right? Come on. It leads into everything else. So if you're struggling in the prophetic, like you really you prophesy, yeah, we can hear the Holy Spirit. Start praying in tongues. Right? Right? You're having a bad day. You don't know what to pray. Start praying in tongues. When you're interceding, the Lord drops somebody in your heart and you have no bearing on this person and you have no understanding of why they're there. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. Pray in tongues. And if you can't, come to Firestarters. Come to School of the Prophetic. You will. This is what we do here at Elevate. And let me tell you something else. Your children will, because they're with me. And we do encounter upstairs. We don't play games here. This is about Holy Spirit power, right? It's experiential at Elevate Miami Church, you know. But it'll be fun, right? They're gonna have fun. It's gonna be fun. They're gonna laugh, they're gonna have a good time, right? So in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So praying on all occasions for everything, not just interceding, but for everything. It's fun. You wake up in the morning, you don't know what to do. You start shine, and you, you just go. You just let it go, right? Shukamoshai. That's Pastor Kevin's word. I like it. So I'm taking it. <laughs> shai. 
So that's what it is. I'm going to tell you the first time. So people are like, I don't know. I don't know if I can receive tongues. I don't know if it's my gift, so to speak. Let me tell you something. I was about 13, maybe 12 years old at my church. We had a Christian faith fellowship. And we had, um, we had a night of, uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were praying and they were laying hands on people to receive it. And they walked us through it. And we wanted it. I remember my friend Lincoln. He's here. He'll, he'll know. He'll vouch for this story. And uh, I was so hungry to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wanted it so bad. Right? So we're in church. Our pastor, he's praying. They're praying. Everybody in there. And we do it and receive it. And then everybody starts shuckamoshine except me and Lincoln. And I was like, and he even tried to get us to, to say words and, and, you know, and it wasn't going anywhere. So I'm frustrated. I'm like legit pacing. I'm like, no, I want to pray in tongues. Like, what are we doing? Like, come on. Like, come on, Jesus, you see me, right? So we're in the church. Everybody's shuckamoshine. Everybody's in the spirit, singing and praying and warring, doing whatever they want, having a grand time. And I can do none of that because it wasn't coming for me or him at the time. So um, I remember someone walked up to us in the church and they were like, don't worry, it'll come. It'll come, don't worry. And we were frustrated. So we go and we were kneeling down in the front row of the church. And we just, you know, we just started to pray. We're just like, whatever, Lord. All right, we received it. We just, we, maybe we have to wait a little bit and it'll come. The Shukamoshai will come eventually, right? Maybe. So we're praying and I remember we just, like this joy just built up inside of us on the front row. Like we were just, we just got so excited. We're not, everyone else around us is in the spirit and we're just in English. It's not fun in English when everyone else is in tongues, I'm just saying. So we were in English, we were talking and, and we were giggling and laughing and we were telling the enemy to leave and all types of stuff. We just was laughing. And I remember I looked up at Lincoln and I said, I meant to say something. I meant to say something to him, and what came out was, Kitoshanda biborandalan, and I just began to speak in tongues to him. Just, I didn't, I meant to say something else, but tongues came out, right? Come on, come on, right? I'm 12 years old, right? He's like 10 or 11, whatever at the time. I hope I got my ages right, God forgive me. But um, he looks at me, and he's like, like, he's excited, and he was about to say, like, thank you, but what came out of him was, shanda biboranda landa baanda. and now we're going back and forth in tongues, and we're pointing at each other. We're, like, excited. We're, like, we're like giddy because we're speaking in, speaking in tongues, and we're just like, kirios, and now, now we take it to all different realms because in the tongues, there's no limit, right? So we sing in tongues, this is what we do. And we war in tongues, whatever it is. This is what you do when you have access to it because it takes you to another realm of power. So since then, we pray the house down every chance we get in tongues because we love it. So, but you can get it. Come on, we got it at like 12 and 10 years old. Everyone can get it. It's your gift, right? You just have to lean into it. You have to want it, right? But the Lord will give you what you want because it's a gift. It's a gift. You don't have to toil for it. You take it. It's yours. Receive it. Open yourself up. Shut your mind off and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Receive it. Right? Let fire fall and go ahead and do what you have to do. And if you need help, 
Fire starters in schools of the prophetic all day, you know. But you, we don't have to wait that long. We can lay hands and get it going. Come on. Come on. Come on, Christians. Come on. Get excited, Christians. This is what we do. Okay, so next one. Stand your ground. This one's interesting. Stand your ground, right? So Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, right? So this is the point where you have to push self away, right? Your standing has nothing to do with you aside from planting your feet and leaning into what God has already told you, right? So you must accept that the power is not from you. Draw no strength from yourself, right? Human strength will fail you every time. If you look for what's inside, if you look for the strength that's inside of you, it will fail you because it's not designed to sustain you in spiritual standing, right? You have to seek a higher source, supernatural source, right? You have to pull on that which is yours by right of inheritance, but you have to pull it. You have to take it and you have to put yourself to the side. Here's an interesting one, right? Embrace your weakness. Embrace it. Not, don't partner with it. Matt's not telling you partner with your weakness and make it yours. That's not what I'm saying. Embrace your weakness and lean on the all-sustaining, all-sufficient strength of Jesus, right? But at first, you need to embrace the weakness that you have. I can't do this. I don't have the strength to. It's not like I will make it because I'm strong. It's not what we're looking for. That's not what he's looking for. He'll let you do that all day, right? You want the power of Jesus to work in your life? Admit your weakness. Embrace it. Make it your own. I'm not strong here. I can't stand here. Right? I need you, Jesus. Right? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You want to see God's perfect power? Allow yourself to be weak. Right? Because his weakness won't show up. I mean, his weakness. <laughs> his strength won't show up. Until that weakness is presented. And the perfect strength, perfect, it says my perfect strength. It, or or it's, it's, his strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, right? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it's in the weakness that strength is manifest, right? The fullness and the, fullness, the full potential of what God has for you, admit your weaknesses, embrace them. Don't push them off and say, I can do this. No, I, but I can do this. Fantastic. Not what we're looking for. Say, listen, I can't without you, Jesus. I can't walk this path without you. This is too hard for me. Admit, you, admit it. He knows anyway. He knows, right? Admit your weakness and lean into it. Come on. That's who he is, right? Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, right? So this is an authority thing. So as believers, we're endowed with authority. Not all of us know how to appropriate it correctly, but we have the ability and the power to step in and to do these things with authority. Recognize the authority and power you have and use it. You are able to overcome 
every attack of the enemy. There is not one attack that a Christian faces that they cannot overcome if the enemy comes for you. I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what the situation tells you. I don't care if it looks hopeless. You're a Christian. You have all the power that he has endowed you with. Use it. Utilize it. Right? Funny story. Here we go. Story time. Christian faith, we're going back to to the roots. There was a night at our church where um, we, uh, my dad led a, led a Bible study at the church one, one, I can't believe it, I can't remember, it was a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and we were all at the church. It was youth. It was our youth group, and we came to the church, and uh, it was about 15, 16, 17 of us. Here's the crazy part. I don't remember what my dad talked about. God forgive me. This was over 20 years ago. I don't remember, right? Don't hold it against me. What I do remember that night is that as he's teaching, someone begins to manifest demonically, right? One of the kids begins to manifest demonically, spewing, just going nuts, right? Now it's 16, 17 of us, and the majority of everybody got up and walked away, us youth, right? And I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm just like, you stupid demon, why would you manifest here? Do you know the power we wield at this church? Right? Like, we've seen the power. Like, demons would manifest at our church while my pastor is preaching. He'd bring them up to the front. Bomb, bomb, done. Fill them with the spirit. Fill them with, you know, get saved, everything. Boom. Very easy, right? So we saw it. I'm just shaking my head. And I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, handle this. Just <laughs> nothing, right? My father, right, gets up and he was like, you guys know what to do. And he steps back. And we're like, okay. Right? And so at this point, everyone had stepped away except me, Lincoln, Mel, and Nigel. And they're all here today. They're all here today. So they can testify of this story. Right? So this woman, she's manifesting. And so we're like, we're looking at each other. We're tapping each other on the chest. We're like, we got this, bro. We know what we're doing. We blood bought. We got power. Right, we're going we're to go ahead and handle this demon. How dare you manifest in our church? <laughs> so we go to work. Mel grabs the head. Lincoln's on the left. Nigel's on the right. I go for the feet because she's like on the floor now. And so we're, we're going to work and we're, 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 we're talking like we're doing our thing, right? And my dad is just walking around. He's just pacing around the floor. And he was like, do, do this. Uh-uh, do this. Uh-uh, watch what you say here. And then occasionally he would step in and show us what power is. Be quiet. Thing would shut up. We would try it, like, be quiet. I'm like, hold on, it's not working for us. Maybe we're not, a, we're not doing something correctly. And so we're, like, doing this thing, and we're, like, I'm a male is at our head, and he, he's ministering. He's, he's cast, talking to the demon, telling the demon to shut up and come out. Demon would not go anywhere for whatever reason, right? And so then this demon starts talking to us, Right? Remember, said nothing to Nigel, started calling out sin. Right? It's like, I saw when you did this. And he starts insulting. I, you look like this. And then the demon looked at me, and I pulled my hands away, and I turned away, and I said, What you're not going to do is call my sin out in front of my father. That's what you're not going to do. You're not going to do that. I won't accept that. Nope, nope, nope. I can't do this. Nope. No, no, no. Listen, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect people, right? So we walked away, and I remember Mel was the only one who stayed on the body. He had her head. He was not leaving. He was grounded. 
Bless your heart, Mel. Me, Lincoln, and Nigel, we stepped away. We're like, bro, everyone else is behind us on chairs, hiding, flipping chairs over, hiding behind it because they couldn't handle what was going on. Just the four of us. And Nigel and, and Lincoln walked up, and we're just talking to each other. And I remember, I believe Nigel said it to me. He was like, bro, we can't leave her this way. Like, we can't leave it this way. And my dad walked over to us, and he was like, are you guys done? Have you finished? Is the work finished? I'm like, why don't you just go deal with her? You got the power anyway. He just was like, are you finished? And, and at that point, like, we, we, we began to, to get something shifted in us because we were like, no, we're going we're gonna to go back. We're going we're gonna to deal with this. We're going to do it right. Let's get it right. I can't remember if we prayed in tongues. I can't remember exactly what the situation was. But I can tell you, when we put the hands back on that body, we were different. We had appropriated some sense of power in us. And we began to work. And we began to do some things in unison when we were kind of all over the place. And this thing came out. Right? This demon came out. We got the demon out after about three and a half hours of struggling. I was sweating. It was not fun. And I was tired. I think I slept for two days after that. Beautiful sleep. But we got the demon out. We stayed it, with it because we recognized the authority that we had at some point. And it didn't matter the sin. It didn't matter anything that we held on to us because we were blood-bought. And we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit. So we have the power. We just have to appropriate it. We have to push everything else to the side and appropriate the power that you have. That's who we are, Christian. That's who you are, Christian. Right? That's who we have. All right? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, right? So we're not of this world, right? We have to recognize that we are of the blood of Jesus, and we have access to the Holy Spirit. So guess what that means? We win. Game over. We win. Game over. We win. We own it. Own it where we are we got power let's utilize it right utilize the power we have we win newsflash i don't care what they say we would right we have mighty spiritual supernatural weapons that can war against the things that would place themselves above the name of jesus if there's anything that you face that places itself higher than jesus you can war and tear it down because that's the power you've been given call them things down Command that stronghold broken. Command these things that have placed themselves in your life that, have, that, that you've given power to or that think it has power over the name of Jesus. Tear it down. Pull it down because that's the power you have. Tear it down. Your mouth. Speak it out. Right? Use the sword. Use the, use the Bible. Use what you have. Right? And, more, and very important, capture the negative thoughts and mindsets and align with truth. So there's thoughts that will come into your head. Right? I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Lies, whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm too weak. I, I'm, uh, you, have to, you have to push the negative. You have to take them. Scripture says take hold of them. Capture them, right? Capture them and align it with truth. What is truth? More than a conqueror. Seated in heavenly places, above and not beneath, right? Head and not the tail. These are, these are who you are. This is identity for us. This is what it means for us, right? Capture those thoughts that would tell you otherwise, Take hold of them and align them with scripture, right? Stand on the foundation that you've been given and you will win. Because the idea is to win, right? And the Christian never loses as long as they don't quit, 
Victory is sure. Stay the race, stay the course, and you will win. You will win because that's what we're designed to do. Ephesians 6, 13 to 14. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Right? Do all you can do to stand. Pray, cry, equip the armor, get your weapons ready, whatever you have to do. But scripture says, after you've done everything, stand. I don't care what comes. I don't care what it looks like. You have to trust yourself in the standing and the foundation you have placed yourself on, and you hold fast to your position, right? And the Lord will see you through the rest. Victory is always on the other side. Yeah, victory is on the way. Victory is on the way. Trust in that. Know that there's hope and there's victory on the other side because that's who we are. We're victorious, right? We're victorious. Amen. All things work together for your good in Romans 8, 28. All things. Nowhere in that scripture does it say some things. Nowhere in it does it say most things. It says all things work together for the good of those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you're called. So guess what? You want to hear it again? You win. You win. You win. Embrace what's yours. Take, take the right. Take the rights that are yours. Hold fast to them. Hold fast to truth and walk in it. Amen? She has my stand prayer up. Thank you, Shelly. Would you guys like to declare something over yourselves today? Now, I'm going to need everybody to stand. Come on. We're a church that declares. We speak things over ourselves. We speak things over our life, and we partner with it. So go with it doesn't matter if you understand it, right? Partner with it anyway. Impartation, right? Basic principle of our Christianity. Okay? Are you ready? Yes. Today, Today, I take my place or a daughter of the highest and take hold of and declare the gospel as the foundation of my faith. And that is Christ died for our sins according to scripture was buried and raised on the third day according to scripture and was seen by many your word is true and you Jesus are faithful I will seek to stand in the gap and intercede for all people as the Holy Spirit directs I will no longer look for strength inside of myself I will lean into the power and strength of Jesus. I lay claim to my authority in Christ to overcome all the power of the enemy. I am more than a conqueror in every situation. The weapons of my warfare are not of this world, but are ferocious to pulling down everything that exalts itself above the name of Jesus. I choose to capture every negative thought and make it obedient to Christ. I call forth the full equipping and refreshing of the armor of God over me daily. Since I know that victory is on the horizon and that hope is on the way, I will plant my feet, square my shoulders, and stand firm. Come on.
Amen. 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 While you're standing, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. May he give you peace and may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, God loves you. We love you.